0: Hey folks, this is Kiefer Dunn, host of Buildings On Air. Um, I'm recording a little preface to our podcast episode. Um, Usually we don't do this. Usually we just kind of record the episode uh, live at Lumpen Radio, send it out over the FM airwaves, and then upload it to the podcast a few days later. Um, but I wanted to record a little preface today, um, because the interview that you're about to hear is a little bit different. Uh, it's a slight departure from the way that we kind of usually conduct ourselves here on Buildings on Air. Um, usually, I kind of, you know, grab someone who I think is interesting and pull them into the studio, uh, have them call in, and um, you know, kind of ask some polite questions about what's going on, so we can kind of um, you know, learn from that experience. Um, this, this month we had, uh, folks from Extinction Rebellion, um, the kind of organization group, uh, whatever you wanna call it, that's kind of organizing around climate justice um, through kind of mass demonstrations and et cetera all over the world. Um, And and I had a couple of their members in the studio, and and in this case, I really wanted to ask them some hard questions. Um, You know, I I think um, I'm not alone um, when I say that a lot of folks on the left have looked at this movement um, with a kind of optimism, optimism that, you know, people are kind of willing to turn out in mass for, you know, this thing that really is the fight of our lives, um, uh, kind of environmentalism. Um, However, um, I I think people have also been scratching their heads a little bit about uh, the kind of tactics um, which, to be very frank, uh, to me kind of smack of, you know, the, the kind of worst aspects of the global justice movement um, and what we might call anarcho-liberalism, um, you know, uh, or, or kind of an ultra-leftism um, that, you know, I think is, is, is very unappealing to a lot of people um, and I think not a winning strategy uh, for kind of building power. And, you know, um, so, so I really wanted to ask these questions kind of in good faith uh, to our guests from Extinction Rebellion, who were who were great sports. Um, and I really appreciate them kind of coming on the show um, and, and kind of, you know, uh, having a chat with us. And, you know, I think um, a, a lot of these questions are on their mind as well. And, um, you know, they see Extinction Rebellion as a kind of um, space for, for answering and working through some of these issues. Um, you know, it's a new entity uh, in, in the kind of landscape of uh, environmental activism. And, you know, I think uh, new organizations, new groups, um, new movements, um, you know, should be given some leeway to kind of figure these things out. Um, and I think that that's something you'll hear um, I think there's a willingness to kind of work through these issues. At the same time, the reason why I wanted to ask hard questions uh, is because you know I think if we don't learn lessons um, from the kind of history of movements and we don't kind of advance our way of thinking about uh, you know our, how how we how we make change, um, you know, then people will find themselves burning out of, of movements burning out because, you know, we're kind of rehashing the same tactics as a global left uh, over and over and over again, and nothing changes. And um, that's a kind of recipe uh, for cynicism. And I think that, um, you know, this is not a time to be cynical. I think there's a lot of Uh, optimism in the left as there should be even in spite of Corbyn's defeat in the UK I think there's never been a kind of more exciting time uh, to be a leftist in this country and I I think um, you know we're, we're on the cusp of some really great things like, you know, we could have meaningful steps towards social democracy and, and then even more uh, in, in the U.S. over the coming decade. Um, there's things like the Green New Deal on the table. We have lots and lots and lots of things to fight for, and those are the stakes. Um, and, and so that's why, um, you know, you'll hear me be a little bit more kind of critical, uh, a little bit more questioning or probing than I usually am. Um, Some of you, I think, will think uh, I was being a little bit too nice. Um, Some of you might think I was being a little bit too harsh. Um, But, you know, you be the judge. And again, you know, I really appreciate our guests from Extinction Rebellion kind of taking the time and coming on the show, being good sports. And I think, um, like I said, They're absolutely out there on the streets to kind of try to make positive change. Um, And, you know, I see this as a kind of uh, comradely debate. And and I think, you know, they're asking themselves, as you'll hear, they're asking themselves lots of these same questions um, that I'm asking them. Um, So without further ado, uh, here's the show. Enjoy.
1: Buildings on Air with Kiefer Dunn. On
0: London Radio. Welcome, 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 welcome to this December episode of Buildings on Air. I'm your host, Kiefer Dunn. It's actually in the right time slot too. It is you in the right time slot. That. Yes, we've been we've been moving about, uh, so here we are on time, and I expect we'll be on time in January too. I wouldn't count on that. <laughs> <laughs> Never count on anything. Around yeah, no caper. kidding. Yeah, but uh, you know, you can always check uh, us out on Twitter for the latest show updates and news.
2: And you know, you can also write into the show and ask us questions for our famous mailbag segment. Which reminds me that someone has actually sent me a mailbag question, (laughs) which is a first on this show. Yeah. Knowing that I never received mail, they've taken (laughs) pity on me. They said, you horrible, gnarled, nasty person, Uh, here's some mail.
0: Well, uh, you know, folks, there's still time to get those questions in. Um, I had teased on Twitter uh, that we would be changing our mailbag format uh, temporarily this month, but alas, it'll be the usual question and answer about buildings. So, yeah, uh, yeah, you yeah can, what happened? Uh, you know, uh, it's the end of the semester and yeah. we all teach and, you know, time gets crazy. Uh, yeah, you just stop caring. Yeah, mm-hmm. <laughs> That's basically yeah. it, yeah. Okay. Um, okay. But yeah, we've got a really exciting show lined up. We've got a great show. Uh, yeah, so uh, first up in the studio, we have uh, Hillary Geller and Jeff Hedrick of Extinction Rebellion. Uh, we'll be talking about climate justice and uh, cli- the climate movement. All, yeah. that, all that kind And of they're having stuff. a
2: little thing, by the way, if you're in Bridgeport while we are doing this live broadcast, uh, X-Star is actually holding a, a seminar teaching education thingamadoodle, is yeah. that correct? Uh, that's going out of co-prosperity sphere right yeah. now. So if you're in the neighborhood and you want to stop by, uh, I believe the door is open yeah, to you. And
0: it looks well, well attended and like some good conversations are happening out there. Uh, and and then we'll do the mailbag, as we were just discussing. Mm. You can send those questions into buildingsonair@gmail.com. buildingsonair at gmail.com. Yep, get them in, get yeah. them in, get them in. And then uh, and then in our regular segment, Fun and Angry, where we cover the architecture discourse, um, we'll be talking about an article in Curbed about who is actually moving into all these luxury housing uh, apartments that are popping up everywhere I in every like city. Yeah. I would like to know that. I would like to know that, definitely. Uh, so. it, Hint, don't blame the millennials. Uh, that yeah, seems oh, to be, they don't yep. have any money is yeah, I, exactly. as far as I...
2: <laughs> hey, congr- by the way, congratulations. Your team is now 14 points clear yes. of Manchester City after yes. today's uh, Manchester Derby. Manchester United won 2-1 to one over City. So I think Leicester now is really the only competition, but uh, this could be the earliest that a team has ever wrapped up the title.
0: That's right. Well, November uh, 30th and Liverpool, Liverpool fans have waited long enough.
2: You know, you could wait a little longer <laughs> on my account. I mean, my, my team's battling relegation now, so, you know. Uh, yeah what i what i really feel i can't say on the air yeah right thanks to george carlin (laughs) thank you george you screwed it for all of us
0: well without further ado uh let's move into the meat of the show uh hillary jeff thanks so much for coming on buildings on air uh it's lovely to have you in the studio um how's it going
3: pretty good yeah we're really excited to be here pretty good
0: I look a little stunned.
2: We are. I, I am. <laughs> look a little. Look a little stunned and nervous. It's yeah, okay. It's yeah.
0: okay. I'm stunned and nervous every time I have to go on the radio. I know TV. it's. I'm sorry. I should have showered. It's. <laughs> I'm sorry. Well, um, I, I'm, I'm super curious to hear more about Extinction Rebellion. And, and it occurs to me that uh, lots of the people who are tuned into to the Lumpen Radio airwaves right now uh, might not know about Extinction Rebellion. Uh, maybe they've seen a headline in the news. Um, but go ahead. Like, what, what is Extinction Rebellion? Just give us the 10,000-foot view. What, what, what are you all about?
4: What do you do? Uh, what's going on?
3: You want to go?
4: Uh, Sure. Yeah. Well, so it's a uh, nonviolent direct action group. Um, it was started in 2018 in the United Kingdom. Um, and the idea is to, uh, I guess, directly try to influence what sort of decisions are being made, I guess, by the government, and mm-hmm. by just all of us in general uh regarding the environment and the uh, climatic change
0: yeah so right yeah and, and of course uh you know this this is a show about left politics and architecture so we're we're totally down uh with uh <laughs> the fight for climate justice um no bones about that um but um you know i'm i'm curious to hear more about uh kind of how extinction rebellion sort of functions what the aims are um and uh you know since starting in the uk um you know it's it's spread like wildfire across across the globe really um and so uh i'm i'm curious what where things are now like uh how how is the group organized um what is there a chapter in chicago
5: yeah we're uh, I, I it's hard to know how many we are sure people come and go um we're very loosely organized in mm-hmm. these little affiliate groups i mean we are maybe an affiliate group right now um
0: yeah
5: i have how long have you been around maybe less than a year I think yeah I've only I mean, been here since beginning of September so right. I'm sort of new to it
0: yeah and and have you and have the two of you been involved in climate justice for a while
4: um I've kind of you know, gone to some marches, signed some petitions, kind of. You know, I've always read about it, I've always thought about it, but yeah. this is by far the most major action and participation I've ever, I've ever done. Yeah.
5: Same for me. I mean, I, I've, um, I'm really not that involved. Yeah. With any organization, yeah. you know, I've donated forever to you know different causes, but I've never actually put myself into any organization. Yeah, and. And this one is really interesting because yeah, sure. it's so the demands are very simple mm-hmm. in a, it's not apolitical, but it's not really political. Mm-hmm. I mean the demands are beyond um, any parties that we know of. I mean we should go through them because be what people are responding to that wanna take action. The first one is to tell the truth. That by putting ourselves on the line, by uh, blocking traffic we're trying to get people to be aware of the truth that is out there, stop things, business as usual, and uh, tell the truth about this emergency, mm-hmm. this climate emergency. Um, and ideally, we'll shut things down.
3: Right, <laughs> yeah.
5: And and then from there, progress to other things. Um, but that's the main thing I think that we're trying to get to right now, in Chicago at least.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then and so I that's that's demand number one. And then I, I also read that there's a demand for citizens assemblies.
5: That's number three. That's number three. Oh, what's number, number two? two? Sorry, jump the Let's gun. let <laughs> to get carbon emissions reduced to net zero by 2025. Right, five years from now. Yeah, mm-hmm. is this realistic? <laughs>
4: <laughs> yeah, I mean it's
5: extreme. Right. This is extreme. Sure. But So yeah. we're up for extreme. Um, but I mean, actions. it also
4: seems necessary. Yeah. And I think that the, the situation I mean definitely calls for that. Every every kind of statistic we've been able to measure about this kind of stuff, it really practically requires that we do something like that. So it yeah. doesn't really matter if it's realistic to us.
0: <laughs> right. And and in some and in some way, shape and form, yeah, this this kind of extreme demand is ac- is actually not extreme at all, right? By yeah, by if much. you're looking at the numbers. Yeah. Yeah. So that's number two. Number three.
5: Number three, um Instead of relying on government to do anything, we're asking that we create citizen assemblies, um, like communes in a way, little communities that can um, be involved in this
3: change. Yeah.
0: Sure. Yeah. So, um, you know, I, I, I think I we, we had a little bit of an email discussion before the show. And, um, you know, I, I, I kind of gave you guys the heads up that um, I think, uh, you know, I, I make no, uh, no secret on this show that I'm a, a member of Democratic Socialists of America, who right now is having a big Chicago chapter meeting uh, mm-hmm. where uh, – Fingers crossed they'll probably be uh, voting on a resolution to go all in for Bernie Sanders. Um, But, you know, DSA is sort of aligned with the Labour Party in the UK. Um, And, uh, you know, I think a lot of folks um, who have been involved in left movements – before are kind of looking at Extinction Rebellion and are like, yes, like, this is fantastic. We're getting new people involved. Like, this is like the fight of our lives. Um, but also are kind of left scratching their heads sometimes, uh, by some of the tactics in particular, um, you know, the kind of, uh, uh, apolitical nature of the group that you alluded to. And I appreciate you saying it's apolitical, but it's political, right? Cause, uh, everything is political in some way. Um, but recently, uh, Uh, Extinction Rebellion activists in the UK um, sort of protested labor, dressed up in bee costumes, and sort of blocked... um uh, you know the campaign bus for for uh, some labor candidates, um, and 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 I guess the reason why I found this to be kind of a, a head scratcher, um, just to put it all on the table, was uh, you know the, the labor's program for the environment seems incredibly ambitious. It's more green than the Green Party's ambitious uh, uh, like sort of platform. And so um, I, I, I guess um, you know, in, okay, you're in Chicago here, and it's a very big group. So I, you know, I'm not. Asking you necessarily to speak for uh, your comrades in the UK, but I kind of am. So you can tell me if that's an unfair question or not. But no, I actually no, will ask you about Catalonia. So
3: yeah.
5: First, I think uh, they actually targeted every single pol- political party. Sure. So it wasn't yeah. just Labour. Of course. Um, so the same action, I think. Was directed yeah, targeted was at every political party, mm-hmm. so it wasn't just Labour. And the idea is, um, we've got to do this together because that's the only way it's going to happen. Mm-hmm. So every branch of politics has to be involved.
4: Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, I mean, really, it's kind of. Like, I was thinking that here in this country, which Mm is more what I probably have more knowledge about, I guess. Sure. I I live here and everything. uh, (laughs) The accent um, gave it away. Yeah. yeah. Hi. Um, Yeah. I mean, we'd we'd probably be doing almost exactly the same thing if Hillary Clinton or even Bernie Sanders were elected president in 2016. I mean, Mm -hmm. at that time, I don't think either of those two uh, candidates had much of a climate platform or as much as we would probably need Mm -hmm. and so i mean this is really just about like keeping the pressure on no matter who is elected no matter where they're elected we need to be a constant reminder that this is very urgent i mean this is probably the most urgent issue that they'll have to think about and they might not be considering it that way they might think there are other things more important yeah. So.
0: yeah, I, I understand because I think, uh, you know, direct action is, is great uh, for keeping the pressure up. And I think, um, you know, I, I, and I, I mean, I think that a lot of people question the sort of timing and, and issues like this, um, it being uh, what, like, Jamie, you would know, a week away from the election?
2: That's on December twelfth. So yeah. yes, we're running into the final week. Yeah, and, and I would know. I <laughs> I would know. <laughs> yes, J- Jamie, the the buildings on
0: air uh, UK correspondent, <laughs> <makes sense>. um, <laughs> Scottish, not <laughs> yes, English. <laughs> right, of course, but in, in your accent does not give that away at all. Yeah, yeah no.
2: I mean, uh, well, I've been here for over forty years. Yeah, right. So That'll get me right. drunk <laughs> enough, it comes out. Don't worry about that. We can we can we can go down to some some place down the street that has a woman's okay. name, and we can figure it out. <laughs> You know, they, but I mean, to, to their point, actually, you know, Extinction Rebellion did target um, all the politicians, but they actually targeted the Brexit Party the most. Right. Uh, Nigel Farage. Yeah. Who I believe, uh, like a certain uh, leader here, I believe he believe, believes climate change is a Chinese hoax as well. Yeah. 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 It is a Chinese hoax, right? We've been told. That. <laughs> <That's right. laughs>
4: hey, yeah, Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm looking into that.
0: Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, I mean, I, but, you know, I I, th- I think um, it, for us, for my point of view, like, I, I, I think that politicians do need to help be held to account. Um, I think, um, but, you know, I, I also feel like there's a certain danger in sort of a- alienating allies. And, and I mean, we do need to be pushing uh, pushing politicians. But, um, gosh, I just don't know about that one. Um, but, you know, to get to the more substanti- substantial issues, I mean, I think that there's, for me, also issues about a kind of... Like theory, theory of change, um, and so I know this is look, and this is not just me. Uh, I, I, Jamie will tell you uh, that my mo on this show is to ask big, unfair questions and kind of see what happens. But if I can be so bold, uh, what what is kind of Extinction Rebellion's theory of change? How do you how do you think will make the change that we we need?
5: Well, the the, the fourth we forgot one of the demands, ah, which yes. is demanding a, a just transition that prioritizes the most vulnerable people and indigenous sovereignty, establish re- reparations. This is part of the, our, uh, this is new for the US. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I'm sorry, what was the question again? theory <laughs> like, of change, <laughs> yeah, like what, change. what is the theory
0: of change? Yeah.
5: The th- we have a shared vision of change.
3: Yeah. Is it
4: yeah. a theory? I, mean, I don't know. I think that so far it seems to just be, attract as many people as we can. Mm-hmm. And kind of stop. The first step, it seems, is almost just like stop doing what we've been doing. Mm -hmm. And then we together are going to figure out a new way. So, I mean, nobody really knows what that way will be right now. Yeah. Because, I mean, to me, this is a totally unprecedented situation. So, Mm -hmm. I mean, we have the technology to do a lot of this stuff, but we need to figure out how we can implement that. I mean... I, I don't know I mean a lot of times it seems like the problem is that the solution is there, but we're not mentally there mm-hmm. and i I don't really know exactly how we get to that yeah. I'm not really sure
5: there there's a strong aspect to community mm-hmm. i mean th- anybody can form a group any b- little group of interest. so we could suddenly yeah. become the lump in xr <laughs> affiliate group uh-huh. and we can do whatever we want as long as we follow our print the xr principles mm-hmm. um And part of that is envisioning the world we want.
0: Mm -hmm. Right.
5: And if you have enough of these little, we're hoping, enough of these little cells in a way, um, and then we do come together, we strategize together, Maybe something will happen, right? But it has to happen communally. Mm-hmm. All of these, nothing has happened um, individually. It doesn't come in from, from come from politicians. It's come from people, right?
0: Yeah, and, and you know that's something I think that the show wholeheartedly endorses is the the importance of the, of the kind of grassroots um, in making change. I mean, I, I think um, for me, I I, uh, I tend to see this as. You know, it's about it's about holding our elected leaders accountable. And um, I think for me, there's the, the you know, the, considering the role of the state is as of, as of kind of vital importance. Right. Because, I mean, I think it, it's it's no it's not an accident that we've arrived at this kind of, you know, uh, precipice of environmental collapse. It's it's really the presence of kind of. Uh, right-wing elements in 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 the state right and corporate interests and and all of these different things um and it seems to me that you know like we we need to be fighting both in kind of the electoral arena to make that change but also um uh making sure that we are kind of developing strategies and tactics that hold hold those people who are electing to account um and so you know for me i think the thing that i'm i'm most excited about is the the green new deal um and 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 what i really appreciate about the the proposal of the green new deal is that the people who are proposing it, the Sanderses, the Ilhan Omars, the uh, AOCs of the world, um, you know, they, they, they kind of understand that we do need to build a mass movement to kind of support these, these projects and, and initiatives. That's the only way that we'll win is by kind of beating the right in a very sort of political way. Um, and so uh, that, that's, that's kind of where I come from when it comes to the Green New Deal. Um, and, I, you know, I was, I was looking at some of the Extinction Rebellion literature and I didn't see anything explicitly about the green new deal so so I, I'm I'm legitimately curious sort of how um how how you as 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 extinction rebellion members sort of relate to that um I assume it's pro <laughs> but, but like you know uh, maybe maybe there's some nuance that I that I'm missing
4: Yeah I mean I uh, you know of course the extinction rebellion it, they I mean they currently don't have an official stance on that mm. or any kind of opinion, and and I, I I'm I'm assuming they're not ever going to, mm. you know, we're not going to agree on something like that. But, I mean, I personally think it's a it's a great idea, and I I think it would be a massive step in the right direction. I mean, it's yeah. seems like a no brainer yeah. to me. Yeah,
5: <laughs> but again, it, there's no central um, voice, right? Right. So you're not going to have yeah. like a an extin- extinction rebellion
4: response. I don't think saying. I see, and I, I think that that's sometimes which
5: is hard to under yeah right Go
4: ahead. yeah so. it's a little bit hard sometimes to, to work like that, but it, it also means that I I don't really have an explanation for why they would, um, you know, target a, a labor politician or uh, you remember in the fall they did an action where they stopped a, a tube train in London right that was very controversial, very controversial. people did not like yeah. that at all I mean the people got beat up I think yeah and that I mean I think that. XR in London I think they voted on that and they voted to not do that but then a couple of people did it anyway so I, I mean you know I mean nobody's really in control
2: yeah well I mean that that brings up another question though with a leaderless movement I mean there are two ways that you know movements happen you have a top-down mm-hmm. structure obviously or you have cells and it, it's mm-hmm. uh that goes back you know beyond us but i mean here in chicago yeah. with something like the Weathermen, obviously we mm-hmm. have a history of that we have a, a history of cell movements
5: that's why i'm sick, so excited about chicago because
2: well, i feel like uh,
5: chicago it's <laughs> like we're right here well just, it's yeah like chicago the best place for it to like take, take Sh- hold. yeah i
2: mean chicago definitely has that radical i mean all the way back to, to haymarket and, and beyond that we yeah. have that history yeah. of it An but amazing history but uh, one of the things that has been proven is that leaderless movements tend not to enact political change. So, uh, you know, and that's history. That's not my opinion. That's that's a historical yeah. fact. So, is Extinction Rebellion? I think the natural question is, if you guys, I mean, you guys are having a training session here. It seems to me that you're trying to create a, a large scale movement. But is the movement, in your opinion, going to ever have that kind of top down structure that allows you to talk to politicians? Because ultimately, the people that are making these decisions are politicians. And they are the representatives that, that we elect. We should never forget that. Mm-hmm. We kind of talk about politicians in the abstract, but ultimately uh, at, at every level here in Chicago, people do vote for these people, and, and they are responsible theoretically as representatives yeah. of those. So is there a chance that you guys are going to try to create that hierarchy that can then engage with the, the political process?
5: Not that I know of. Yeah. I know there are people that are involved in policymaking in the – in Mm. XR Um, the same way there are people that are teachers or you know doctors um, but I don't see it as a party
2: um, well, it's not a party, but I mean, you,
5: or, or getting to that point.
0: Yeah. Well, I, you know, I, I, Jamie, I appreciate the question. I think one of the t- touchstone texts in a lot of leftist spaces, and there's certainly been uh, very thoughtful criticisms made of it over the years. Is Joe Freeman wrote a, wrote a fantastic pamphlet called the, "The Tyranny of Structurelessness." Yeah. And, um, and in effect, um, you know, the, the, the argument, if I can summarize, is basically that uh, there's always kinds of power structures in, in groups uh, the question is the degree to which they're held accountable to the kind of membership of that group. So uh, in, in her specific context, she's kind of talking about uh, feminist groups in the 70s right. and how, yeah. um, right. you know, so, like ba- yeah. ba- basically, like, you know, there, there's a danger of kind of there being a cool kids club or, or social connections that, that kind of constitute uh, in, in like, you know, a, a, yeah. a, a real power structure. Yeah, it's like a shadow power structure. Yeah, yeah. And, and, and I know that this has been one of the criticisms leveled at Extinction Rebellion and its kind of organization. So I'd love to give you guys a chance to kind of respond to that.
5: I haven't been involved long enough to Mm, experience that. That's fair, yeah. Um, But I do know that's come up. Yeah.
4: That has come up. We were kind of talking about that a little bit earlier, and I I was thinking too about uh, recently something like the Occupy movement, Mm -hmm. and I feel like that was a criticism of that too, that they refuse to elect leaders, they refuse to be explicit about mm-hmm. a lot of stuff and that that could have been a reason that they yeah. were not successful as they wanted to be. Right. Or th- even more recently, the yellow vest people in France, Sure, they wouldn't elect any leaders. And it seemed to kind of maybe peter out, although yeah. now it's maybe back. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. yeah sure. I mean, the, Paris, Paris is under strike. So yeah. yes, yeah, they back. Is, yes yeah. Yeah.
0: they're back. Solidarity. Yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah I, so, so uh, yeah. And you know, of course like um, movements grow and they change and, and, um, in many ways, this is a young organization, so, you know, I think uh, that s- some amount of open questions is, is, is to be expected. But I, but I am curious ab- about, like, just what the general feeling and tenor is in, in the organization uh, about those kinds of issues. Is there, is there like, a kind of, uh, I don't know, like, do you, f- do you feel any motion on, like, you know, how, how that question is going to get broached or, or anything like this?
4: Yeah I, I mean I think like internationally I think that there's this kind of discussion about like yeah. you know some of like the founders of the movement are kind of leaders like you were mm. talking about I mean they're not really they don't have any power over anybody but they're essentially kind of kind of leaders I don't even know and some of them have made comments that are disagreeable to many people and there's been a lot of discussion about that but yeah. we haven't really resolved it yet exactly right well yeah so we're going and, and even in, here in Chicago, in this, in our own little chapter, it's kind of like a microcosm of that. We're mm. trying to sort of figure out like, h- how do we do this? I mean, is it is a leader the only way? There's got to be some other way, but yeah, we're still discussing it really. Yeah. And it's
5: hard because we're so used to working with leaders. We were talking about this earlier. Right. It's like it's very hard to get out of that mindset. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you mm-hmm. do look for someone. It's right. You know, people ask, well, what what did you think about Hallam's? You know, the leader and. It's, what do you, you know, is this anti-Semitic, whatever. It's not necessarily anti-Semitic, but it's this talk about the Holocaust. Oh, it, you, ha- it, you have to give it, us right? some context so here. So equating oh. um, ecocide with the Holocaust, I pretty see. much, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, and, and yeah, some people thought that was and not how not dare agreeable. he use that term. Sure. And then it's come up several times, but he's not our leader. Mm. Nobody's yeah. our leader. Um So for us, it's you know, this is a new.
4: A new experience, how to how, how yeah. To, yeah, I mean I think the thing so far that links it all together is these demands, and then we got these principles and values. It's right. pretty short. And aside from that, I mean it's like the logo. <laughs> I mean that's like and that's that's a that's a beautiful, incredible logo. Yeah. I mean that yeah. That really yeah. really attracts people. It's got a lot of power. Yeah. Yeah,
5: I think the main thing for us is just like getting that message out there that, you know, we I was gonna use some words that i'm not going to use but um that we've got to do something like whatever it is you know i don't care you know you could tell me what party to join i would join it tomorrow Mm. if we could stop everything stop business as usual and confront this issue like really take action
3: yeah
5: at a you know our system-wide level Mm -hmm. which politicians need to do right and so we're going to hold them accountable and mm-hmm. corporations accountable
0: right through through direct through action. action. and
5: right. I mean, I think that's pretty much it, yeah,
4: yeah. I mean, in the future it could evolve into something else. They could very easily do yeah. that. Hopefully, it will, I think. Mm-hmm. But I mean, right now that's that's what we've got.
3: yeah,
5: and the actions are fantastic. I mean, that's, I think one of the big attractions is like the actions are artful.
0: Mm. Um, yeah, many
5: of us were drawn to it because of the theatrics and the artistry, yeah. and creativity.
0: Yeah, so it's funny you say that because that's because uh, I, you know, it is amazing the power of a, a of a logo, right? Yep. Um, uh, it really, it really can function as a kind of symbol uh, and a kind of gathering point. Um, You know, I think uh, (laughs) – but, you know, know, I've spent my time organizing architects um, uh, kind of in in, in different labor formations. We talk a lot about the architecture lobby on the show, um, uh, which is a group of kind of radical architects um, who are committed to social justice, labor reform, other things. Um, but a lot a lot of the discussions we have in the architecture lobby are about moving away from performance uh, because it 's kind of you know i, I think um, for for us um we kind of associate it with the global justice movement which which fell flat on its face and and maybe that was because you know I, th- I think there's there's all kinds of explanations about about why that 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 is um you know maybe the objective conditions of organizing in the 90s were like not friendly to movements um, but but it seems that that kind of performance um, can also be an alienating thing for some people. Um, and so I, but but maybe we're in a different time I'm, I'm curious how 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 folks have related to that aspect of uh, your actions in the in the contemporary moment?
5: People have been pretty curious. Whenever yeah. in the few that I've been part of, um, some
4: people get mad. <laughs> um, but well, it's calling attention. And I think you, you. I mean, you just mentioned the '90s. I think one mm-hmm. big difference now is Instagram. All the all these kind of social media things and mm-hmm. stuff is really like transmitted around the world in images like people always look at images it's just mm-hmm. memes pictures everything is pictures nowadays so yeah if we can maybe create like a striking image then maybe that'll
0: you're right help 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 bring people together yeah yeah maybe. yeah well um you know i i'm 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 curious what well also, talking about the differences between the U.S. and the U.K., like you said, you can't speak to all of them. But one thing that I did note was the presence of this fourth principle, which is kind of unique to uh, the American Extinction Rebellion kind of entity, um, maybe organization, as we've learned, is too formal of a word. But uh, the, uh, can you re- repeat that fourth principle again? Because I think it's really fantastic.
5: We demand a just transition that prioritizes the most vulnerable people and indigenous sovereignty, establishes reparations and remediation led by and for black people, indigenous people, people of color, and poor communities for years of environmental injustice, establishes legal rights for ecosystems to thrive and regenerate in perpetuity, and repairs the effects of ongoing ecocide to prevent extinction of human and all species in order to maintain a livable, just planet yeah. for all. Yeah.
0: I mean, that's really nice because I I know... um I, I, I got to say, because this is really refreshing to hear, because I know that one of the criticisms of, of the kind of some of the leaders has been has been uh, you know what we might call a sh- shades of ecofascism, right? And so it feels like um, this is in a lot of ways a kind of uh, rejoinder, right? That, that comes from I think uh, uniquely uh, like that, that that comes from an American activist context where we're hi- we have a heightened consciousness about yeah. the kind of uh, structures of, of uh, implicit bias and racism uh z- xenophobia etc um and so i, th- I think that's welcome uh, i know um you know in in the kind of uk and in new zealand and in other places uh the kind of green movements can have a shade of nationalism and that seems to be um absent in a lot of ways from from the um, the american <laughs> which is which is which is really uh nice yeah
5: And, again, that's why I think Chicago is so great. Mm -hmm. We have so many organizations that are already working on all of these different things that, um, you know, maybe we can become these, you know, these little cells that are Mm -hmm. all connected somehow through this movement. Oh, yeah.
4: Which we've got to do. Yeah, it's something we've been talking about a lot in our recent meetings is, like, we really need to bring together everybody in the city who's working on any stuff like this because it's kind of just, like, all one big issue. I mean, there's not – there is no – environment like separate from everything else it we all live in the environment mm-hmm. i mean it's everything
0: yeah yeah i mean i and so tell us more about uh you know the, there's a there's a, an amazing looking very very uh, energetic training happening so what are y'all up to today
4: um I, yeah i think what they're doing right now is that they're doing like a role play and so like some of them are acting like uh uh, they're they're participating in some sort of disruptive action, and the other ones are going to be like police or guards or something. Mm-hmm. So they're probably going to be yelling at each other and chanting, and yeah, it's pretty fun. <laughs> it
0: is pretty fun. Yeah, and and so uh, another kind of buzzword, in, in addition to kind of the. Uh, apolitical politics um, is is the kind of non nonviolence. Um, so, can you talk about the role of nonviolence? I assume that part of what they're doing uh, in the training is sort of training up on nonviolent protest tactics. Is that right? Probably. Yeah. Yeah.
5: Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. And I think that's probably another one of the attractions is that it is nonviolent. Yeah.
4: Um,
0: yeah. Um, and and how did and yeah? I mean, I think. Um, you know, nonviolence has a history uh, in in the United States, especially mm-hmm. and oh, yeah. with kind of the civil rights movement. You know, I think um, uh, one of the things for me, I, I, I always find this to be an interesting debate on the left, uh, the kind of, because uh, I mean, okay, Buildings on Air does not endorse violence. Like, <laughs> gotta put that disclaimer out there. But, uh, you know, I do cool. think that, um, um, you know, the civil rights movement, if we look at that history, um, you know a, a lot of the kind of nonviolent tactics were was it was an explicit kind of strategy exactly. um and in with with the idea that um the kind of a, the, that people in the north, mostly white folks in the north, would kind of see what was going on in the South and it would shift public opinion. Um, and you know so uh, you know I, and i and i and i and I think. In, in my own kind of study of these movements, there's a there's a difference between kind of nonviolence as an ethic and nonviolence as a kind of strategy. Uh, and I'm and I'm curious, kind of what um, you know, h- how you envision nonviolence as part of your strategy of change making. Maybe that's maybe that's another classic big buildings on air yeah, yeah. question.
4: <laughs> I think that. Uh, I think that when it started in England, it, or the UK—I don't, I don't even know what to call it—that <laughs> other country—it—it yeah. <laughs> uh, <clears throat> it, it was more like a tactic. Mm. Like the the founders of it, the uh, the the group—they—they they just studied a lot of a lot of movements as well, and found that the nonviolent ones were actually more successful yeah. than the violent ones.
0: Yeah, because I I know, um, yeah. I know. I mean, I know because, like, I, you know. Again, I, I'm uh, sort of. I think um, one of one of the criticisms has been um, that um, you know, non ba- that basically um, one of the reasons why nonviolence sort of worked in those contexts was because it was like it was uh, like showing kind of the, uh, an existing oppression, um, yeah. and so you know, and and I think that there's been a kind of uh, question mark about like how how that. Framework of thinking like fits into eco-socialism, right? Because um, we you know when we do have existing environmental catastrophes that are that are kind of ongoing, um, you know how, how how we we fold in nonviolence directly into those. Communities, right? Um, I don't know if that makes sense as a, as a kind of distinction, because um, I think I think one of the criticisms then, like, oh, look, like these are a bunch of like middle class people who are getting arrested, right? It's not the same thing <laughs> as kind of like what was going on in the civil rights movement. Like, no one is shedding a tear for 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 these activists, yeah. um, but. Um, and so again, I'm, 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 you know, I, I, am absolutely asking these kind of questions in good faith. I'm just, I, and I'm, I'm curious, you know, what the thinking has been in the kind of, in the kind of group. And you know, I know it's kind of hard, hard to say because it is decentral. But I'm curious if, if either of you, as individuals, have kind of
4: given that any thought yet, or if it's
5: I think it's a, it's a least on. I think it's a big question mm-hmm. yeah. that
4: comes up. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We debated amongst ourselves yeah. too, yeah. like, what yeah. exactly are we doing here? Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. it, it feels like the right thing to be doing, but then we've really got to, to kind of stand back and. Actually analyze like what is the point of this or something. Yeah, Mm
3: -hmm. Yeah.
5: it's easier for us to get arrested than anyone with darker colored skin. Yeah, no question. Absolutely. And so these are questions. Yeah, these are big questions.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, and and I think. But
5: maybe you know, seeing an old woman with you know gray hair is (laughs) maybe that's something. I mean, that's I think why a lot of people are joining. It's like, well, actually, that's a grandmother getting arrested. And must mean something
0: yeah right and um and and there have been many 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 arrests right um and 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 i think you know it it does it does bring a lot of press coverage and and attention um so uh i'm next steps what are you guys what what is what is the future hold so uh we've kind of discussed there's there's open questions but it sounds like there is a very meaningful kind of uh spirit of 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 debate and discussion in good faith about what the kind of next steps are um which is amazing and so 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 what what are those maybe is it's what what how can folks get involved um what what do you guys think and you know don't tell us anything if it's you know gonna get you in trouble or show your hand but (laughs) but yeah what can folks expect from extinction rebellion moving forward
5: well, one of the things that's this—we didn't talk about regenerative culture, so we've been sort oh, of yes. quiet right now. Um, and that's this is one of these nice principles of just like having a moment of
0: calm. Mm. Like,
5: let's sort of reconnect and. Um,
0: yeah, he sorry. Re, you know, Jamie and I aren't good at that. <laughs> we should we should make that a building's on air principle. <laughs> yeah, just re-
5: relax, reconnect, um, th- stop and think, and um, and let's figure out what's next. So it's you know winter is here, and <laughs> yeah, let's start thinking about what we want to do next. Um, certainly, we're all ready to go for coming up with some actions. And
4: yeah, I think our th- big thing. We'd like to kind of, I mean, internationally, have some big actions in the spring, mm-hmm. so like in um, I think April it might be, mm-hmm. yeah. And April, then like coordinating mid-April.
5: with other U- U.S. cities for yeah. certain, mm-hmm. I
4: think it's yep. in the future. Yeah. And to make those actions even more effective, I think we'd really like to attract more people. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there. sure. Um, there, there are kind of two ways that that's been done uh, for the past year or so. Uh, one of them is these trainings out here that mm-hmm. they're doing right now, the nonviolent direct action trainings, and the other one is uh, we have like a talk that we give. It's just kind of like a, hmm. it's more like a traditional, just kind of like a lecture. People can come and mm-hmm. see that. And, yeah, yeah.
3: And w-
5: the talk is incredibly effective. Yeah, tell us it's, about it. It's, kind um, of depressing. it's <laughs> really one you have to sort of if if you are considering there are loads of things online if you want to. Um, yeah, you, you can don't actually do that, but you. Um, It's very moving. It's very upsetting. Mm -hmm. You'll get some of the science behind it. Mm -hmm. Um, You'll have an individual who is um, telling you how they connect with this issue, uh, with crisis. Um, And you really leave feeling pretty upset. Yeah. And wanting to change. And, and I think um, the power is in that you're not alone. Right. And this, again, like comes back to having a little community and uh, being able to share what is essentially
0: grief. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, well, and again, I'm sorry, to uh, you know, I, 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 some people have, have called that, uh, like I've heard the phrase death cult um attached to extinction rebellion <laughs> um and and you know i i think this is it, it's it's it, it is an open question in in the kind of fight for climate justice generally uh how because because it is it is uh, shocking right the kind of numbers and and everything else um and, and and you know i think the the question is the you know how much people are motivated by kind of a, a threat and and versus kind of uh, the kind of joy of shared struggle, um, and and uh, you know, it almost you can't have one without the other. <laughs> and so yes. in some ways, maybe that's the response. Um, but um, yeah, like uh, you know, I you know, I, I, as as an organizer for a long time, I, I kind of I kind of struggle with the idea of grief as a as a kind of. Um, as a glue for any kind of organization um but 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 uh, you know there's lots of people outside so so uh you know to t- tell us more yeah
5: well i can only speak you know from my own experience like i have kids yeah you know it's a uh, it's terrible mm-hmm. right you, what do you you go take your kids to check out colleges and they all look great and but then for what? I mean, like, what are what is this future, this great future, <laughs> right. going to bring for them? Um, yeah. And you want? I, I think you. What is the world you want to live in? Mm-hmm. You know, do you want to just leave this for your children? You know, are that you? Do you feel okay having yeah. them say, "What did you do?" I mean, how could you have done nothing?
3: Mm-hmm. Right.
5: And even if it's just going and yelling in the streets, you know. Makes me feel a little better, yeah. knowing that I'm not alone yelling in the streets. <laughs> I mean, I really want to yell. And so that's been great yeah, for we
0: me. We all want to yell. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> don't, don't do it here. Jamie will get mad. You'll mess it's up his true. levels. It's yeah. <laughs> and, of course, more
2: information is at your website, which is xrchicago.org. There's also a Facebook page. Yeah, that's right. So, and people can get uh, information about upco- – there's two upcoming trainings. Um, One of them, of course, is going on right now, but there is an upcoming training, I believe, at DePaul, uh, and uh, yes, DePaul University, and then there's uh, talk about Uncommon Ground that's also upcoming. So there are more XR Chicago things.
0: Great, yeah. Well, and and you know, I again, thanks for. Uh, are we out of time, Jamie? Is that what that was a? Uh, were you moving us in that direction? I was moving you in that <laughs> okay. direction. Yes. Yeah. Well, in that case, uh, th- uh, Hillary, Jeff, thank you so much for being on Buildings and Air, and uh, I look forward to uh, seeing seeing more of, of what happens. And you know, I think um, f- with the Green New Deal and things around the corner, hopefully, we'll have uh, positive kind of uh, visions to fight for as well. And um, hopefully, uh, we'll see you on the streets. Fighting. Sounds good. Thanks, guys. (laughs) Thanks for having us on, guys. Yeah, We'll be
2: back uh, with the mailbag, right? Yeah. Is that what we're doing? Cool. All right.
5: If you enjoy listening to Buildings on Air and other programs like this on Lumpen Radio, consider becoming a member today. More information is at lumpenradio.com.
2: Yes, it's Buildings on Air's Mailbag Time with Kiefer Dunn yeah. and Louis and that Craig guy. Don't, don't <laughs> sound so excited, Jamie. <laughs>
0: yes, and uh, this is, of course, the Buildings on Air Mailbag, where we answer your listener questions about architecture, buildings, other stuff. Um, and, you know, um, yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's a good time. Always. It is a good time. Yeah. Yes, yeah. 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 Um, Kiefer, can you
6: remind people how to submit their listener questions? Oh yes,
0: you can. the The best way is to tweet us um, at bldgs on air. Uh, and no, uh,
6: you gotta,
2: we gotta change that Twitter handle. I know, I know. It's I know. So bad. Let's just, let's just make <laughs> it just buildings, do, on do air. buildings on air. Yeah, it's okay. just buildings on air. Tweet but us at like, buildings on air. I
0: do like saying B L D G S. Nobody's gonna remember that. They're gonna start typing that. and You're gonna be like, I forgot my question. Yeah, right. It's like an indie
6: coffee shop that has a logo with two arrows and like a you know. Just,
3: just tweet us at buildings on air.
0: That makes me really want to change it. Yeah, when you say, when you put it like that. Yeah, but you can also, you can also send us an email. Yeah. Buildings on air g Yeah, and if you know my phone number, apparently
2: you can text them to me, too, or mail them to Uh, me. Yes,
0: Jamie got a question direct to his cellular device. For Buildings on Air? For
2: Buildings on Air. Uh, Do you want to start
0: with that? uh, Yeah, let's start with that.
2: Okay. Why is there a move away in architecture from color Hmm. When it can be an emotive element in design. Uh, hmm.
0: This is a really good question for future firm. <laughs> <laughs> you're, 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 uh, well, the person yes.
2: went on to say that there's a bunch of new buildings that are being put up in the neighborhood. that all have the same
7: palette and all have the same we structure. Do. They're all black and, and gray. And that's the question. So hmm. nice. architects, take it away. Yeah. From the 1900s until the <laughs> 1990s, all buildings were beige brick color. Or at least in Chicago, they were. Oh. Mm. That's well, pretty monochromatic. <laughs> Sound th- a little defensive there, Craig. <laughs> <laughs>
6: Craig is actually wearing green pants today, which is like a thing that I've literally never seen him do. So I feel like we're, we're ready for this question. They were well, free. I think, you know. You so- see, there's a grudging acceptance
2: of the green <laughs> pants. Wow. They were free. Don't okay. leave you pay
6: me to wear them. Woof. <laughs> I think that you know, like modernism in our architecture, right? In like a in a postwar period, had had a movement away from from color uh, towards kind of monochromatic buildings, towards reflectivity, towards materiality, right? Instead mm. of instead of like decor. But I think that, and I don't know, is your is the is the texter from Bridgeport?
2: The texture is from Bridgeport, yes. I, okay. Yes, yes, yes,
6: yes. I, I, I do think like, I would agree with them that I think we, we, we for example, dislike the kind of like contemporary doodad building, which seems to kind of default to shades of gray as a kind of placeholder for saying, like, this building does not have too much character yeah, right? and won't be offensive. This
0: is, a, yeah. like, yeah, modern-ish. Yeah, yeah, yeah it's like yeah. saying,
6: like, yeah, it's modern enough that yeah. it's not going to hurt you. But I think that there's been a lot of, like, really, really colorful and beautiful buildings in Chicago lately, like the JGMA GMA. Project um, on the way to the airport, mm-hmm. uh, like on the right side of ninety. Right, mm-hmm. what is that building? Uh,
7: it's, Northeastern it's, Illinois University. Yes.
6: Yeah, I'm with sure. the blue and yellow fins is like so incredible. And then there are buildings that I think aren't like um, like highly saturated with chroma, but still have like incredible materiality to them, like Poetry Foundation, right? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah.
0: Yeah, Poetry Foundation does have a kind of color. Po- it's very subtle, but it is there. Yeah. But I, I, you know, I um, there is a there is like black siding. Has been a thing in mm. architecture for a while, and like, and it's one of those things where I feel myself screaming against <laughs> it. But it is also like one of the only like m- available materials that is like y- that you can do that's like not like hardy board, fake wood, mm. um, which we does like come hardy in a variety of, of, of colors. <laughs>
7: yeah. Yes, yeah, yeah. hardy board is a full range of colors. Yes, it does. For example, you your
2: my back your porch is, is red. Red barn red house. Yeah. yeah.
7: And you don't have to get the hardy board with the faux wood uh, kind of, you know, stamped into it. You can get the smooth version. Right.
0: <laughs> ha- hardy board, for those who don't know, is a uh, composite, composite yeah. wood. Or composite, yeah, it's, a, it's like a cement board that they mm. p- sometimes press to look like vinyl siding. Mm. It does come, as Craig has correctly reminded us, in uh, There's no less skeuomorphic. Um, yeah. Yeah. Uh, and no, no varieties. trees
6: are harmed in the process of making hardy. Pork. I mean, I'm sure some, like in the in the, in the long process of making hardy board, yeah, but I mean, in its several. specific ingredients. I think
2: they just cut down some trees and leave them to rot, just to you know yeah, right. to, hurt, to hurt the forest while they make the. Hardy. Yeah. But Craig, you seem to have a real problem with color.
7: What, what's up with that? I actually don't have a problem with color. I think I'm not very good at yeah. and. Ann claims that most men are colorblind. No,
6: Ann does not claim that. (laughs) Ann claims that statistically men are more likely to be colorblind than women, which is factually
2: true. This is
7: factually true, yes. I guess I do have a preference for things that have more limited color palettes, but I'm not against other people having very robust color palettes. Uh, Adam Nathaniel Furman has a practice that is... Uh, it's very colorful. And it I think is. a lot of the projects, while not my taste, are quite beautiful. Yeah. I yeah.
3: Like
6: a Lena Bobardi red building, like that strikes a fire in my heart, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. I, 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 it's not that yeah. we.
7: But and that is well, still monochromatic. The future uh, Firm uh, color so palette yeah.
0: is. I, yeah. I feel like just sharing office space with you. <laughs> it is very black and white. Um, but, and but, iridescent. But, <laughs> but also iridescent in like this kind of like chromatic silver, mm. which one could argue is all of the colors yes. in some way. Mm, that's um, true. <laughs> or you could could not argue, that right? That. <laughs> yes.
6: Um, no. Well, I think Craig and I default to monochromatic colors. One thing that happened recently with a client is we were, you know, in our white, gray, and silver world, and then the client kind of came back to us and said, "Hey, here's the palette. Actually, that I, I that I respond yeah. to, right? Like, I don't know, r- rusty rusty steels and rope and and stone. And I think in doing that." we heard him say what he yeah. liked right right like and and i guess that was a nice moment yeah or no, i do know jamie also wanted red yeah right mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. For, people tell us for my part i feel like uh i always struggle with building enclosures and like the color palettes there hmm. just because of the like you know lack of of like a lot of good options mm-hmm. but i but i think um I don't like interiors. You you def like. There's no excuses in some ways, yeah. unless the you know. I mean, sometimes clients really like a uh, stark white minimalism or mm-hmm. something. But yeah. I I love like wallpapers and like splashes of color and things like this. Yeah. Patterns, uh, textures, uh, um, but but you do have to be careful. And, and sometimes I feel like almost having a very sober exterior, which might prompt a question like this, serves as a really nice counterpoint mm. to the kind of. Uh, plethora of options available in the interior. Yeah.
6: One year ago at SAIC they were going to paint the faculty office doors uh-huh. and there was like, you know, some email like we're gonna paint them gray or whatever. And then everybody like requested their own door color that was kind of like <laughs> their spirit animal. So it's like
0: a Hunderwasser project or something. If
6: only they had executed it, but I wanted, you know, like a wall of fog, like the blur building, but like shimmering, like a butterfly's wing. So that would be my (laughs) ideal exterior. I'm not sure if you all want to speak about what your office door (laughs) color would be. Just a fog
0: machine is my ideal.
6: (laughs) (laughs) A constant fog machine. So I guess I'm curious what each of you, if you could request anything, your Mm. office door color would be. Uh,
0: Certainly nothing that poetic. Probably Uh, orange.
6: Orange. Yeah, orange yes.
2: is a nice happy color. Reminds me of orange juice. Mm. I like orange.
0: Book matched walnut
2: veneer. Mm. Yeah. Oh, that's not really a color. Well, I guess it is a color. Yeah, sort of. But I mean, I we're talking about a material, just like in the color orange. I don't want mm. necessarily orange peel. The, <laughs> 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 you know.
0: Come on, Jamie, think about. Th- let your artistic side fly. You don't want you don't want your your door to smell of uh, citrusy California summer. That would be fine. <laughs> that, would, that would be fine. Huh? I was I, thinking
2: more like Pantone yeah. Hotel kind of look. Yeah. You mm.
7: know? yeah. Yeah, yeah. Like mm. you mean the
6: lavender? Ho- oh, I was thinking the lavender hotel in Skokie that was demolished. Yeah. Anyway. Craig, what's your office door color?
7: I think I would just go without an office door. Mm. No. You wouldn't go with beads? <laughs> <laughs> like into the like, porn section of yeah. the video
6: store?
2: Yeah, that's basically go into going to Craig's office and get some magazines. Or a tarot reading, yeah, one of the two. The distinctive
0: rattle of yes. the, yeah. the... Oh, they're character- in Craig's yeah. office again. Yeah. 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 <laughs>
2: Uh, we always have to clean the floors yeah. I mean <laughs> you know
0: we don't usually shout, shout out uh, any of the other fantastic architecture and design podcasts that there are in mm. Building Center we don't do it enough but um, 99% Invisible which mm. I, I haven't listened to in a while did do a, a, a great episode a few years back about the Purple Hotel on mm. the North Shore yeah, yeah. that um, folks should totally uh, download to their phones there and give, give a little listen to that's it. a John Maxi building mm-hmm. yeah and it has this amazing purple glaze. Brick, mm-hmm. um, it's but it it's is gone, now. demolished, right? Yeah. Yes, there is um, uh, still a building up on the North Shore, up on Sheridan that does have. A, a, I think it's an homage that does have like a yeah. like lavender glazed brick that's quite nice. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, yeah. It's, if you go, it's north on uh, at Lakeshore Drive, you can see it. Yes, past the Bahai Temple. That's correct. Yes. Yes.
0: Yes, yes. yes. Another building that is just. I mean, this is why it's a complicated question. Yeah. The Bahai Temple, an amazing building, mm-hmm. um, but but strictly monochromatic. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Um, well, anyway,
2: there was. If you want to get other questions onto buildings and air, tweet buildingsandair dot com, buildingsandair at gmail, or just email Jimmy. <laughs> <laughs> right?
6: Uh, if you know
0: how to get in touch with me? Just tell me.
3: Yes. Uh, yeah.
6: I'll slide a note under our door. Yeah. And yes. Slide in my DM. Send <laughs> slide, uh,
0: send five four six eight to Kiefer. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, if you understand that reference, get off the internet. Um, mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, so next question. Um, Why can't houses be built using the commercial construction code?
7: I can't think of a reason why they wouldn't be able to be built using the commercial construction code. In most cases, it's more restrictive, right? Yeah.
3: Yeah,
2: it's a strange question.
7: Chicago does not have a commercial and residential building code. There's just one code for it all.
0: Yes, so there you go. Not a question you have to worry about. (laughs) I
2: mean, maybe it's something from another state Mm. that... um, uh, but, yeah, no. Right. Uh, when they come here, they they don't care.
7: Asked and get, answered. Get yes. an architect to design your house, yeah, right. and they'll use That's whatever right. building and code is appropriate yeah, to make you something beautiful. They'll hire a <laughs> code consultant. They'll probably also give you blueprints. <laughs> yeah. 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 Uh, <clears throat>
0: next question. How do you cover up a gap in a badly installed cabinet?
7: Mm. <laughs> oh. <laughs> yeah. So... so This is a little bit of a funny question because on Thanksgiving, we were at my grandparents' house. (laughs) Wait, this is so funny. Sorry. This (laughs) this question is from your grandma, Craig. (laughs) And and my dad dad built my grandparents' house. Uh And uh, my mom went to put a plate in a corner cupboard Uh and kind of pushed it towards the back. (laughs) But there was a filler piece in between the corner cabinet and the Uh next adjacent cabinet around the corner. So when she pushed it in, it pushed other dishes into that slot because the back of the cabinet wasn't closed (laughs) and like three glass bowls fell out this slot in the cabinet (laughs) and smashed on the counter. And, uh, and
6: everyone was mystified. Like it was like a bowl had just like fallen out of the sky and broken out of nowhere. And you were paralyzed by laughter.
3: <laughs> well,
6: because the only person who knew was your dad. <laughs> what had happened? Who, who this mystery bowl. Who hole? was
7: then cursing his brothers, who were the ones that installed the cabinet? Oh uh, yes, of course. Yeah.
6: Uh, I don't think that's um, the kind of cabinet you mean. <clears throat>
0: I imagine they mean a gap. Uh,
6: from, uh, elevational gap.
0: And, uh, yes, an elevational <laughs> gap, not a sectional gap. Uh, yes. No,
6: did. it's a planometric gap, uh, the one that the cup falls <laughs> <through>. It's both.
7: <laughs> the, they can get a filler piece. Yeah. You know?
2: Yeah. And it, then your glass bowls will fall on the counter. Yeah.
7: <laughs> well, not a, as long as you have a, as long as you have a front on your cabinet, yeah. it shouldn't be a problem.
0: Yeah, and and I would suspect that there's probably actually already a filler piece there that just was not scribed nicely. Mm -hmm. Um, Yes, there is a subtle art to scribing that is matching the kind of weird shapes in the wall so Mm. that you don't have weird gaps. Mm. Yeah.
7: But if you have weird gaps, you could always just, you know, tear down your house and hire an architect to design you something bigger, <laughs> better, and right. more contemporary. Craig is on of a course. killer
6: business development spree <laughs> right now. Yeah. I can't say we've ever got a client from Buildings On Air, but, you know. Green pants. It's a new
2: Craig. It's hot. Yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> next question. Um, why does the laminate floor in my house feel spongy in some places?
7: Uh-oh. Ooh. Mm-hmm. I, I can answer this because I just saw them put down uh fairly bad laminate floor in our office. Mm. And it's because you put a kind of uh, foam layer in between the floor and the subflooring, yeah. which uh, reduces squeaking, but yeah. also and makes noise. the floor Split seem... Noise. Also makes the floor seem yeah. kind of squishy.
6: Oh, I was thinking with my students, I just helped um, like tear out some uh, flooring because a radiator had leaked, like pouring water yeah. underneath the floor blur- boards, which was giving it an incredibly spongy feeling, mm. a spongy <laughs> wet feeling. Yeah, that's. Um, which like. means that there's a lot of water yeah. that you need to. Yeah. I was
2: going to say there could be several reasons. One, one yeah. is Craig's, but I was actually going to say you could have damage of the, of the yeah. subfloor yeah. that is causing that the laminate because the laminate's is so thin it's bending and, and bubbling right you might actually want to take a
6: look at that you could just like pull out one piece yeah, you
2: usually just cut one piece out yeah very easily with um, utility blade
6: yeah
0: there you go check it out Inve- <laughs> investigate for your own self uh, <laughs> yes um let's see next question um <laughs> this is a this is a kind of two party I, I, We have a question, and then we have the question that I would actually like to ask. I'll <laughs> start with the actual question. Um, I have an old flocked Christmas tree, circa nineteen seventy ish, that belonged to my parents. Any chance this flocking is dangerous—asbestos or other
7: chemical? What is flocking?
6: And you say
0: what? You can go ahead.
6: I don't think I, I know the term from like fabric materials, right? But I don't know. I'm Googling. You keep answering.
0: So flocking is usually like they have like flocked spray paint. It's like the spray paint that has like the texture in it. Mm. It's Mm. usually Mm. when there's like a sand or particulate Mm. sort of. Oh, it's like snow or silver on the the branches. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Oh, it's like paint. Yeah. Yes, it's, like, a paint that, like, is often spray-applied that uh, has yes. a, a, a granular texture to it. Yeah, yeah. And so... Uh, and what year is this from? The, the 70s. Mm.
2: And which um, Taiwanese s- outpost produced this? Yeah, right. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah. Uh, I knows? would
2: I would say that um, probably not asbestos, yeah. but I wouldn't be going and eating pieces of it. Yeah. Um, but, I mean, I would say that about... Most things that are artificial, you yeah. know, and and made in that era, or or really right to the present day. I mean, you know, there yeah. there are chemicals in them. Yeah, I'm sure it's not great for you. But what the a, people made
7: in that era, the boomers were especially toxic. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> <true>. Political commentary. <laughs> it's uh, yeah. yes. Uh-huh. Okay, boomer. Yeah. Uh-huh.
2: <laughs> what was the question you were going? The to The
0: question ask that I'm going to ask is I'm just I'm just curious because I you know. Uh, my partner and I are thinking about getting a getting a Christmas tree mm. for um, you know, our old apartment. And and we've been having a kind of I don't know discussion about what what we look for in a in a Christmas yeah. tree, and um, because we will be traveling for the holidays and don't want you know fire concerns, we probably will be going fake tree. Mm. I mean, clearly, real is the best. I think we can mm, all agree. Real is that. the best. I have yeah. a real tree. Yeah, yeah. Uh, cl- I, I was going to celebrate guess. Christmas. I didn't, even, I didn't even need to real, ask you, Jamie. Yeah. I knew you were going to have a real tree. I had a real tree the day after <laughs> yeah. Thanksgiving.
2: Yeah. <laughs> that is the only thing about yeah. Christmas that I like is a lights on a tree. Yeah. To the point that my wife was. It's like, you're out of your mind. (laughs) Like like I got her up on Black Friday and she's like, like, really? We're going to go at eight in the morning and buy this tram? I was like, yes, we
7: absolutely are. Did you go to a farm and cut one down or did you go to like Whole Foods and get one from the lot? I got one from the lot. Yeah. I got one from That's lot. very I, Chicago. Uh, last
6: year we yeah. cut one.
7: Yeah. yeah, last year we drove out to the Burbs this to cut year, one. This year
6: we're not going to get one. Now we're, sorry, <laughs> we're having a really intimate relationship conversation <laughs> on live radio. Yeah.
7: I, didn't,
2: I didn't have a chainsaw, so it was hard for me to cut one up. No, I didn't. We
6: did a one. baby one. We just did a handsaw. Yeah. Gotcha. And by we, I mean Craig sawed it and I Instagrammed. <laughs>
2: were you wearing yeah. the green pants when you did this?
7: I didn't have the green pants last year. Oh. They're a fairly new addition. Yeah. Well, so uh, what? What? What do you? What do you guys think? What should we do? Which?
0: Uh, but if it's we- you should definitely get a real tree. Yeah, artificial. Artificial. You can't yeah, you even choose. You should Just get a right? real tree, okay? okay. <laughs> if that is distinctly not an option, as I've already you made can, clear. You You can.
7: You can only get a fake tree if you're going to make your next building out of fake brick. Oh, I yeah. will not do that. Next. There's actually yeah. a, this product that's like. Uh, it's like a rubber four-by-eight sheet that's an eighth of an inch thick that has a brick pattern on it. You just staple it to the wall. I'll send you a link to that.
0: Yes, you can staple my heart. <laughs> <laughs>
6: well, don't get a fake treat. <laughs>
2: I, I would then, you know, the, the truth is if if you're coming up with bizarre excuses uh, uh, not to yeah. get a real treat. Fire yeah, issue. <laughs> yeah, I mean, what is this? Burning, my, my,
0: yes, burning my apartment down. Um, just,
2: just put some, you know, th- Get a get a potted plant and just decorate that, and
7: just oh, look at your okay. sad life and just say, Listen, <laughs> yeah. You know. All right. It is or winter, so I that's think an it's, option. I think the one uh, the one thing you could do is design your own fake tree. It mm. could be some sort of. You know, contemporary interpretation of but the tree as a jet black, of course. Yeah. <laughs> but True. you don't.
0: But you, 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 wouldn't even be in favor of like the the trees that wear their artificialness on their sleeve in a, like a in a museum fashion. A pink tree, no, like the ones that are like you know. Cro- cro- I'm going to speak your language. Oh yeah, chromatic uh-huh. silver. Mm. Mm. Um, okay, you're convincing um, me. Yes, <laughs> that are like
7: just tinsel. So I would mm. think those are actually more flammable. <laughs> <than the other. laughs> Uh, only if you get one that can that goes on a turntable that's battery-operated, so it uh, rotates in I'm your front window. I'm open to that, actually. So it could
6: be like a disco light. Yes. Yeah. Future Firm, Keeper Dunn, comma, Architect, Christmas Party, holiday party, here yes. we come.
2: Yeah. yeah. All right. Uh, uh, just get a real treatment.
3: All right. Okay. Well, and
6: I think when you're saying like, what kind of tree do we look for? You're gonna be. You're, you guys are gonna want to be like small, big, fluffy, filled in, evenly distributed your branches. You, and can, you can't have any of those conversations with yeah. a fake
7: tree. Yeah. You can always just put up the tree and then you know take it down before you get traveling, or know, just unplug it. I don't think it's that. Yeah. yeah. Well, so I look. Fire. I mean, fill it with water. You're.
0: Fine. I, I'm. I'm here to t- also tell all of the <laughs> fake tree people that fluffing the fake tree can be a. F- a <laughs> <laughs> a family a family experience <laughs> yeah because you know it gets <laughs> okay get your minds out of the cutter, y'all do I, do I have what? to chill the mics <laughs> <in> the <laughs> <family>? <laughs> no 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 you can know, you read the rules Kiefer because you, you got to put it in the box every year and it becomes compressed and then you have to <laughs> is that you what you to, call it <laughs> yes you have to fluff the tree yes yeah you have to make it fluffy Listeners, I'm yeah. not
2: responsible for this last right. segment on the air. Why are you getting yeah. a real tree,
6: Anna? I ask Craig. Can we have a real tree? Craig is the you no, know arbiter of all things we architectural and scale in
7: the <laughs> apartment. We are leaving on the 16th and not coming back until the 24th, so there is no reason to you know come back. 3 hours before Christmas and have a tree. Yeah. But
6: we would have the day of okay. okay. We, and
7: people will be around to take water it. And, and, you know, it will just attract the things. wet bandits.
6: Okay. Yeah. We we will report back next okay. building's on air. I feel I may make progress.
7: Noted. Okay. Next. I think I think you need a tree. Yeah,
6: yeah I know, me too.
0: Next okay. question. Can a structural engineer reject an architect's design on the grounds of safety?
6: They can certainly be a grump about the designs. <laughs> 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 yeah, it doesn't really quite work
7: like that. Yeah. yeah. Uh, the uh, structural yeah, how engineer this? isn't yeah. reviewing the architect's work. The structural engineer is doing work that is in their own scope. Right. So
6: collaboratively, the, yeah. in yeah. conversation with the design. Yeah.
7: yeah.
0: So they can be a grump, or I mean, I guess in an extreme situation, they could like refuse to stamp something if like they like they knew that their work was mm-hmm. going to be edited or mistreated in some way but it's just like not how it's just not how it goes Mm -hmm. Um, like
6: if you send something that they can't engineer like here's my flying building then they're not like rejecting you, they're just telling you you're yeah. an idiot. Yeah.
0: I mean, in my experience, <laughs> which in, they
6: always do. My,
0: in my experience, <laughs> engineers are always happy to help you find
7: a way. Yeah. Um, as the, in my experience, know, charge, our charge, engineers are never happy to well, help you find a way. Uh, I Depends on the, what phase we're talking. <laughs>
6: <laughs> There's a anchor bolt drama <laughs> right now that Craig is in the middle of that of which we shall not speak.
7: Hmm. I see. Well, we won't ask about structural that. engineers. They're grumpy all the time. It's true. Yeah, that's it. yeah, there's
2: know. no one you'd give an airy to. There's no structural engineer that you. We
6: enjoy. really like our structural engineers, but they're always like preemptively grumpy. You know, before they even open open the file, they're like architects. They always want to make the ends of buildings too open, and you're like, okay, open the file before you comment. <laughs> <laughs> um, yes.
0: Um, next question. I use joint compound to texture over a cinder block wall in my basement. What? <laughs> my, my basement does not take on water. Will the compound hold up? Sounds, first of all, I think we can all agree this is a question you should have asked before you did this uh, yeah. to someone. Wait,
7: I'm sorry. I uh, forgot to pay attention for a second. Will oh, you no. read the question <laughs> one <short of time>? more <laughs> Uh, I some
2: used- some guy some moron <laughs> got a five gallon bucket of joint compound from Home Depot on sale and thought he would texture his wall in his basement.
0: Mm. Yeah, Yeah, that's a bad idea. We've had, had, this is not the first time we've had a misuse of joint compound. But
6: usually on the floor is where people are misusing, not on the wall.
7: What they should have done if they wanted to texture their basement wall is get some mortar and some mortar dye, and they could have basically done that with concrete instead of joint compound, and they would have gotten a similar effect and had a better wall. Yeah,
2: and also it would have lasted as opposed to cracking and falling yeah, off. Yeah, because as, as the temperature change. Yeah, the <laughs> and joint making
0: a huge mess. Yeah, because mm-hmm. the joint compound doesn't have this like it doesn't have the same thermal properties as concrete, and it will also absorb water rather than mm-hmm. uh, sort of I don't know uh, take on water and evaporate it out. Mm-hmm.
7: Yeah. Jo- joint compound really is for drywall. Yeah, and for small parts of drywall, not yeah. entire walls. Right.
2: Uh, I've seen some drywall contractors, however, that have tried. To <laughs> that. Let's skim everything. Yeah, so
0: it's not going to hold up. I mean, and then you know, I also uh, like people are always trying to like seal walls as if that's like the solution mm. to problems like this, and it, it is just not. Um, usually cause if you, if you seal this wall, uh, to try to mitigate this problem that you've created for yourself, cause it's going to create lots of dust, then you're just going to create all kinds of moisture problems and that mm. will lead to structural problems and then you'll have to hire a grumpy structural engineer. <laughs> uh, um, <laughs> next question. Um, oh, okay. How about this one? Why is everybody obsessed with entertaining in their basements? I went to a few parties recently, (laughs) all in basements. They have beautiful homes, but we are fed partied in the basement. Why do people not use their nice dining room or living room? Why basement? They're low low ceilings. It's not as good as upstairs.
6: Seems like a funny mailbag question. This
0: is a very. Yeah. This is
6: more existential than architectural. <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, the I,
2: answer is you're obviously not good enough to go upstairs.
6: <laughs> <laughs> and
2: there are other parties that are upstairs that you've not been invited to. Yeah, right. Yeah, exactly.
6: Have you all seen the movie Parasite yet? Uh, yes, yes, yes. Yeah. yes. No spoilers, hands. Okay, but, um, fine. That's yeah. a party in the basement. <laughs>
0: absolutely.
2: <laughs> movie. That is absolutely a party, <laughs> party. in the basement. Yeah. Yeah, my answer is the best answer. So you can go to the next question.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, I suppose I, I I wrote this question down because I, maybe this is like a uniquely suburban phenomena. But I, you know, seeing as that is where I grew up, now I'm a an an, an, an elite intellectual city dweller, uh, mm. as, as some would say. Uh, Although I would contest that, um, <laughs> and <laughs> listeners, whatever. Yeah, <laughs> uh, but uh, you know, lots of lots of people in the suburbs they like built out their basements as like a, a the entertaining space, mm. um, like the den. Yeah, yeah.
6: Uh, I come from a city that largely has no basement, so it's hard for me to evaluate.
0: I see.
7: I don't know, Craig. Is this a phenomenon you've noticed? I lived in my basement for a while when Ann and I oh. first met. I was living in the basement.
6: If I did not have such a big crush on you, that would have been an incredible deal-breaker. <laughs> it like, was a very nice basement apartment. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Okay. We could debate this in the future.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Craig, why have you made such questionable choices in your living arrangements? Yeah. <laughs> no, but I, I mean, I do think that, like, oh, maybe – I I think – Speculating here. I mean, I think that uh, people like to have their like they have a customized space. Like usually basements are unfinished Mm. and they're more of a kind of blank palette that people feel like they can mold in their own way. Whereas the upstairs places are like just for show and real estate value. I um, wonder
6: if it's like the basement bar, like it feels like the yeah. speakeasy
0: of the home. Yeah. If I,
6: yeah. but you know, like it's there's less light. You yeah. know, it feels like yeah. I don't know.
0: Yeah, I mean, I, yeah, it calls to mind. I think there was a nice Avery short recently uh, from Dan Tay Young. Uh, oh yes, about rental space. About rental space, and, and I guess that's landlord kind space. Of, yeah, which was I, uh, I, yeah. folks should read that. Um it's a great. Task. Yeah, but it was all about how kind of uh, in in the contemporary real estate environment. We're all kind of, you know, we don't really get a lot of ownership over our spaces uh, in any kind of meaningful way. They're hard to morph your your own identity into. Basements seem like a exception to that rule.
2: A listener also texts me and says it's because parties are messy. Uh, mm. Yeah. Mm. yeah, and loud,
0: and loud, and yeah. loud, yeah. 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 Mm. That's a.
2: I also think it's because you're not good enough to go upstairs. Yeah. <laughs> 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 You've been invited to the <laughs> troll party. Yes. No, no, yeah, I'm, right. I'm upstairs. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You can tell I'm a classy guy. Yeah. Uh,
0: <laughs> all right. Next question. Um, why do modern architects rarely use structural arches?
6: Mm, like contemporary architects. Yes. Mm. I'm trying to think like Johnson Mark Lee uses a structural arch a lot. Yeah.
7: Um, do they use a structural arch or do they use mm, uh, Like the MCA is Like
6: arch. a as is a vault. Um, but I think like that famous house on the yeah. ground floor, that's a structural arch. It's a good question. Uh, I wonder if because, like, when more structural arches were happening, they were mostly masonry, right? Yeah. Uh, and now people tend to build in steel and wood framing. Yeah. Um. So it feels like it's an add. Yeah. Like it's a custom steel piece. I sorry. That's is that like the obvious answer? I'm not sure if there's another answer. I think
7: it's that it's cheaper to put in a steel lintel in a masonry building today yeah. and mm-hmm. you would never there's like no point in arching in wood construction and we don't build things out of stone anymore because it's too expensive
0: yeah Right. I mean, I do think that's uh, they. <laughs> I did see recently uh, an arched lintel. So it, was, so it was a steel, it was a piece of. St- so the lintel, dear listeners, is the piece of steel uh, above a brick opening that supports the brick above that window or door opening. Uh, the brick
7: in a triangular shape above that window yeah, or right, door opening. Yeah, right. Because
0: brick is what we call self corbling. Um, and so, yeah, it's not holding up the entire building above it. But, but uh, yeah, it they, they, they was basically a fake piece of steel in an arch shape to support bricks that could theoretically arch on their own, even in a mm. veneer application, which was quite peculiar. Yeah.
7: I wonder if it's also a labor issue. I bet there mm. are not that many masons now that know how to uh, actually make a structural arch. arch. Mm.
0: Uh, that should be
6: for your future buildings on air, trades, and craft people. Yeah. Like somebody who can do a structural masonry arch. I would like love to hear about yeah. that.
7: Yeah. I bet it's also harder for structural engineers to specify a masonry arch. Yeah. Because yeah, it's, f- like, it's going to be harder to test, right? Yeah. I would mm. assume.
0: Yeah. Well, there you go. Those are your answers. uh, Take them or leave them. Uh, You got time, I think, for one more, buddy. Yeah. uh, Next question. Once construction has started, how much involvement does the
7: architect have, and what is their role during the build? They have a lot, and their role is standing on the site and screaming at contractors that they're doing it wrong.
6: (laughs) Craig is having a really long week, and I have abandoned him (laughs) during construction administration this week because I am at another deadline. Um, I... I think we're learning a lot about the process. Um, I but know it's a, I think
7: it's technical. a very, I think it's a very important process, and lots of times, yeah. clients don't understand why the role of the architect is essential during the construction administration mm-hmm. process, but it is. Yeah. They're both an arbiter of kind of disputes, but also um, there to help uh, clarify design intent.
0: Yeah, and uh, you know, I, I I did hear an interesting rumor. That the Illinois State Licensing Board for Architects was moving to uh, basically make construction administration um, like a mandatory part of the architect's role, Uh, because sometimes. Yeah, because sometimes you, do, you don't have to. Uh, like, our architects can kind of scrap that part of their project, and then there's no one to kind of make sure that the contractor is complying with the drawings except for
3: the yeah. client
7: themselves, who might not have the kind of technical ability to, to do that. Yeah. What I recently found out in my self certification class, I've <laughs> given in and become a self certified architect. Is there, From
6: legalized corruption to participation. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> if you
2: are... Legalizedcorruption.com. Uh,
7: <laughs> if, if you are an architect uh, working in the self-certification uh, system in Chicago, it doesn't matter if you have CA scope or not. If the city shows up on the site and finds something wrong, the city... Uh, yeah. Will require you to come back in and uh, help resolve it whether your client is paying you for those services or not.
0: That's very interesting and um, seems like one part of the self certification scheme that actually makes sense, um, <laughs> if I may be so bold. Yeah. Uh, right. well,
2: that's, our, that's our theme, isn't it? Here.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Send us out. Hey, there hey. We oh, go. yeah, spend a minute, Mr. Yeah, Woo! Hey, hey, all right. <laughs> Well, that's been your Buildings on Air mailbag. Uh, after a short break here, we're going to come back with our regular segment, Fun and Angry, with Anjali Rao. <laughs> Woo!
5: If you enjoy listening to Buildings on Air and other programs like this on Lumpin' Radio, consider becoming a member today. More information is at lumpenradio.com. I mean,
2: Welcome I- back to Buildings on Air. You want, to put, you want to get on the mic, Anjali, so I can sing your little song? Come on, Angeli. Is that better? They're better? Okay. (laughs) Now let's start again. Hey, it's time for fun and angry and fun and angry with Kiefer and Julie. Take it away, guys.
0: Woo! Uh, this is fun and angry. Uh, this is, of course, the regular segment of Buildings on Air where we cover happenings in the architectural discourse. Uh, discourse. Yes. Those are nice overalls, by the way. Thank <laughs> you. <laughs> you're welcome, you're welcome. And uh, I'm uh, happy to have Anjali here in the studio. How's it going? How are, how are you, you? doing? Thanks for having me. I'm doing again. great, yeah. Um, <laughs> we we were, you know, okay, before we get into uh, the articles today, um, there is some pre-segment banter and uh am I to understand that your ha- house might be ha- haunted <laughs> Ooh, yeah, about
8: this. so um uh, uh yes so I I purchased uh two flat in uh June Ooh. yay yeah. um in Bridgeport. I am now broke no um <laughs> <laughs> in uh like East Garfield Park it's, okay yeah it's great um and uh I have noticed interesting sounds coming out of the vents and mm-hmm. it could be the fact that the house has pretty much been abandoned and bank owned for years, on and off for mm-hmm. like two decades. Mm-hmm. Uh and the, you know, HVAC the vents are just kind of like loose in the system, so whenever we run air, they could be like rattling or making sounds of people whispering.
0: But <laughs> I might also think that or or, or whispering you, uh, whispering things, instructions yeah. to you. So what what are, what are, do are they telling you to, to do. Your friends and family? Yeah. Yeah. Well, I,
8: they're certainly not instructions, but it's definitely you know like two a.m. Yeah. and I wake up. Mm-hmm. And, and I
0: just feel the compelling need to write all work and no play <laughs> makes on a dull girl. Yeah, right, right. <laughs> Precisely.
8: No, I'm, I'm more like I wake up at 2 a.m. a lot, like consistently at 2 a.m. And I'm like, this is a thing that they make movies about where someone <laughs> wakes up all the time at the same time mm-hmm. every night.
3: Yeah. And
0: mm-hmm.
8: they think to themselves, huh. Yeah, I'm not haunted, and then they die. <laughs> right. So I'm just going with, I'm haunted, Right. so I'll just live. Just to be on the safe side. <laughs> yeah, sure.
2: yeah. Huh. So you sure it's not mice?
8: So I've had mice, and they lived in my kitchen, and mm. they ate a lot of things. Right. And then I had to seal the basement door, um, which there was a big gap, and then um, put out some poison, RIP mice. And then they went away. They stopped eating my things. So maybe they're like still alive in the walls, but they're not going after the food in my house. Do you have a cat? No, I have a dog, and she's useless. <laughs> <laughs>
2: you, should get a, you should get a cat. Now, see, this is a good buildings on air mailbag segment. Yes. What to do with noises in your house?
0: Um, yes, you'll have to file an, uh, an official. Uh, yeah, you have to an, o- an official com- an official question before yeah, you have can to... get architects no, to help you. Look, yeah. I have
8: Craig on like speed dial <laughs> and. Uh, I have spoken with Craig, and he said, I don't know, call a priest. Yeah. So. <laughs> hmm.
0: so that has been that's, having a long week, yeah, though. That's, that's uh, the advice uh, that, you, uh, that our listeners count on. Yeah, um, that's, that's the kind of great, well,
2: great stuff here, guys. Great stuff. Great stuff.
0: <laughs> well, without further ado, let's get into our article for this month. Um, and it is uh, published in Curbed, uh, in the, the Property Lines segment of Curbed, um, by one Patrick uh, Cezanne. Sisson? No, Sisson. Sisson? Thank you. (laughs) Uh, And it's a really super interesting article. Uh, Definitely an important contribution um, to the discourse about what's happening in our cities. It's called, Why Boomers, Not Millennials, Are Fueling the Urban Apartment Surge. Um, And uh, do you want to summarize for us?
8: uh? Yeah, sure. So, um, Patrick, who is a wonderful writer, um, sort of just kind of, he sort of just runs through the. a, a slightly deeper look at as to why developers are increasingly building um, high rise, mid rise apartments um, that. Uh, target via, like, marketing and amenities mm-hmm. toward baby boomers. Mm-hmm. And so he does provide very brief reasoning of, like, the na- the title of the article, like, why this is happening, is not as much discussed as the fact that it is just happening. Yeah. Um, and here's what we Lots sort Lots of, of interesting statistics. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So just kind of generally seeing that um, millennials— I just feel so sick using yeah, this
0: term. Same. But, like, uh, yeah, same. Um,
8: yeah, millennials, uh, for the most part, are not— um, as interested at, um, in moving into cities, mm-hmm. um, the, you know millennials are, are very much in cities. Yeah. But um, the, the vast majority of movement that's taking place um, is from baby boomers from suburbs into cities, yeah. um, or you know, kind of like nearby. Uh, you know, downsizing of their homes in cities and city yeah. propers into like the downtown area. Yeah.
0: Yes. Like moving out of their McMansions into the kind of mid-rise luxury condos that seem to be emerging all over uh, American cities, yeah. but also like a, around suburban centers. There seems yeah. to be a move like this. This article talks specifically about Evanston. Um, And but but, you know, where I'm from in Atlanta, there's lots of small little suburban towns that have created little downtown areas Mm -hmm. as kind of magnets for these things too. Mm -hmm. Um, But the statistics are pretty shocking. I mean, it's basically like... over the last decade, the urban population of 20 to 29-year-olds grew by 4.7 million. But during the same time, the number of 55 to 64-year-olds living downtown grew by 10.3 million. Yeah. Which is like um, – like it's just kind of mind-blowing. Yeah. It's like – and the article just kind of sits on that and it's like, what? Yeah. What? I mean, but I, I think to your point about like these terms, like um, – You know, I I forget who said it, but many years ago, like in 2015 or 2016, someone on Twitter said uh, that uh, generational politics are a smokescreen for class politics. And I think that that's absolutely true in in this kind of article. I mean, Jamie, you're kind of joking about it earlier, but like, you know, I don't know. Like, I don't know too many 20 to 29 year olds who are in a position to afford to live in these buildings. Um, But but the kind of. uh, 55 to 64 year olds who are kind of in this petite bourgeois you know uh, position in the economy yeah. have, have kind of no trouble and love the amenities and especially as they think about uh, aging <laughs> and the lack of mobility
2: yeah I mean I think the only people that that I've seen buy homes are um, two earner families yeah you know and and fairly high up they're, they're definitely not Millennials yeah they're, they're more people um, closer to your age probably yeah. I guess you know uh, you yeah. know
0: it'd they're, be It'd be interesting on this to see a kind of the same graph, the same statistic, but like uh mapped to income brackets. Mm. I think. Mm-hmm.
2: Well, I mean just I mean I happen to be looking at Zillow right now in uh-huh. Bridgeport. I mean the median homes in Bridgeport are two hundred and twenty seven thousand dollars. That's a medium price, which is actually pretty good for the yeah. city. For sure. One of the houses down the street from me is being listed at four fifty. Um that's five bedrooms. Mm-hmm. And it's a mm-hmm. it's a effective two flat, but with three floors. You know that that would be effectively out of the price range of anybody who is not able to who's not making uh under eight thousand dollars a month because yeah. you'd have to spend twenty five hundred dollars a month on the mortgage for that right. place. Now you could rent the other one, but I mean, still, that's that's a pretty big nut, and that, but
8: that rent is not tenable in this neighborhood. Like, no, it's not. To yeah. actually you know pay that to substantially cover the cost of your mortgage or yeah. even like make a good dent in it.
2: Right. Yeah. I don't think you could get, to, I mean, it, and you make a really interesting point. You know, rents in, in Bridgeport have risen astronomically. Yeah. They went from being, I think, a median of around 750 to now between 12 and 14 Yeah. Which is a sizable jump for yeah, a neighborhood of this age and size. I mean, Brid- Bridgeport apartments are, are typically fairly, for people who are not in Bridgeport, obviously, are, are long and narrow and the bedrooms are small. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's not necessarily the most desirable rental properties
3: um,
2: which is why there are um, newer buildings coming on that have more modern layouts yeah but the bridgeport two flat and of course you know my home uh, pre-fire was like that and i'm assuming most of the houses in this neighborhood are, are that same basic pattern mm-hmm. anything that's from like the 1900s right through about 1970 is going to be like that but to your point you know you probably cannot get 1300 in just rent for the bottom floor of a two-flat in Bridgeport, I don't mm-hmm. think.
0: Yeah. Well, and, and and it's crazy, too, because, you know, I think uh, when, we, we, when you look at the rents of these apartment buildings, they, like, start at, like, $2,400, you know? Yeah, uh, which is insane. For, like, a studio yeah. or, like, a one-bedroom. Yeah. yeah. And so, like, it, it seems highly, highly unlikely that, uh, you know, give, given everything that's going on in the world that young folks would be able to afford this.
8: Yeah. And I mean, I think the, what's really funny to me about this article is that Sisson kind of kind of talks to developers and architects doing these projects, these mm-hmm. types of, of high-rise pro, high, high projects that are targeted toward um, senior citizens. Um, and I was, I'm always just kind of shocked uh, whenever, I shouldn't be anymore, really. I've been doing this <is> for years. <laughs> uh, I, sh- I was a little bit shocked that... Um, the way that architects and developers were sort of talking about it is that they they see this what they it's untapped wealth right like <laughs> right. this this pool of wealth and i guess I, I kind of want to preface this idea with um i sometimes think a lot about like how much time and money went into my parents raising me <laughs> mm. <laughs> and like how like how much time they spent t- picking yeah. me up from orchestra and like getting me to my theater things and doing all that stuff but Only to have me at some point become a viable shill for someone else to get rich. Like, do you think your parents, when they are raising (laughs) you, think like they will make someone really rich one day and like be really proud? And I feel like this is the way we sort of talk about folks who are looking to change their lives through housing. And that's a really unfortunate way to think about housing people um, is to think about just an untapped wealth market that um, senior citizens are. First of all, delightful humans, um, <laughs> excellent volunteers, very, very dedicated. Outside of like their questionable politics, like they tend to be a very flexible and amenable group. But um, you know, I don't. Yeah. I feel like looking at senior citizens looking to downsize as a positive thing needs to be talked about in a way that it's a positive thing because yeah. it's, it's better for the planet. It's creating density. It's stopping yeah. driving. Um, it's creating, you know uh communal resources for a group that that needs community very much
0: right i mean i when i was in school uh you know one of my professors down at georgia tech was ellen dunham jones who's done a lot of work on basically creating the, the the need to create centers of density in suburbs that could then be connected with like meaningful public transit and everything else, and and basically arguing for the uh, the necessity of dealing with the suburbs as an urban problem, you can't just phone it in or say that they're bad. And like this does seem like, <laughs> in a weird way, part of the solution. To my mind, the problem is, as you're suggesting, that it's only accessible to to a, a certain segment of the population that is that is moneyed, um, and in that way, it's kind of you know. Um, it's a, it's another kind of way in which like these environmental problems are like you know uh, kind of linked to like discrimination and, and all these other things right yeah i mean it because, just it
8: seems like well the way they talk about it really my point is that the way that that the developers and the architects in this article are talking about it right. is they see it as like millennials we drained them Right, like Check. they're They're the we oil all well the money that's out of all the, Yeah. The, the
0: the the PMC who became management consultants <laughs> instead of you know whatever else. Yeah. Yeah.
8: Exactly. And so now we have like these people who genuinely want to stay healthier. They want to stay sharper. They want to have friends. They want to have you know a good way of life. And so that's their next opportunity to drain yeah. them. And that's terrifying because these people are old. And I say that in a way uh, like out of tenderness. Um, because the thing that was also shocking to me was the costs of some of these. And mm. it's at the very end of the the piece where he talks about um, this one again, designing uh, dense developments that have um, various sort of like tiered amenities, mm-hmm. depending on kind of how old you are and what your needs are. So, like, there's um, just the usual... Uh, one bedrooms, and then there are two bedrooms that have maybe more assisted living. Um, and then there's full like memory care. And there's, you know, for folks as they, I'm either aged into Alzheimer's or dementia. Um, and that's, they, they were saying up to $10,000 a month yeah. for a place that does kind of memory care, which is what, you know, when you live in a community, what you want is you want people looking after you. Yeah. You have like this sort of reciprocal relationship with your neighbors, but then you're going to jack up the price to $10,000 yeah. to keep. Elderly people safe? Yeah, that's unbelievable.
0: Yeah,
2: and I also you know don't even get started on healthcare in America.
3: Yeah, right.
8: We're going to talk about that in a moment. (laughs) (laughs)
3: Sorry, but I mean
2: the new buildings though that are going up in the neighborhood are not suitable for older people though. Just to come back to that, I mean you can't have buildings without handrails and and large steps for for people who might have mobility problems. Yeah, you know some of these buildings are that we're seeing go up, uh, particularly on. Right, while well, Ryan right on this block and on Bonfield and on Racine and, and mm-hmm. Morgan. Um they would they would not be suitable for an older couple. Yeah, I, I would place, yeah. Yeah. I mean if you know my parents were in their eighties, I can't see them going to a building with no with a steep incline. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? As as many of these buildings have. Right.
8: Yeah, and like so that's why they're instead developing these giant high rises with huge costs of living that sort of they provide, you know, the elevators, they have um, the ramps for walkers. They have um, full-time staff. Um, they probably have emergency systems in place, right. um, and that's fine. But to pay that much money to do it, and you know, while I was yeah, reading this, I was thirty-five
0: hundred dollars, six thousand dollars, and ten and ten thousand dollars a month.
8: Um, yeah.
0: for some of these amenities at a, a specific project in Evanston. Yeah, and yeah. so to
8: me, so like I was looking at the census data when I was reading this article, and it was saying that uh, in America, there are about 4.7 million uh, people over the age of 65 who are living in poverty by mm. the census levels, um, like official poverty. Mm-hmm. Um, and then they also use this tracker called the Supplemental Measurement System, which mm-hmm. is um, takes into account things like the cost of living, the cost of healthcare. Mm. And so while we see healthcare costs go up insanely, that number goes from 4.7 to 7.3 million people yeah. living in actual poverty yeah. over the age of 65. That's a lot of people who can't afford this type, like they I'm sure would love to downsize to reduce those supplemental costs, right? right. But they're not going to move to a high rise where yeah. they're gonna have to pay $4,000 well, a
0: month. Yeah, and, and, and frankly, I mean, I, I also question the kind of like, uh, the I mean, I think the need for this is well established the It's a good thing, and again, it comes down to a problem of who can afford to access it. I also question the ability of these kinds of communities to meaningfully actually create community, right? Like uh, it, it, it strikes me as almost like the kind of like high school dorm like <laughs> you know, like fake uh, sort of, you know, oh, we're all we're all friends here, right? Um, and that there's like group activities and things like this. And I feel like it's it's another one of those things where it's like the the want, The ambition is like correct, but then it it gets, you know, the sort of by the time it gets like pressed through the Play-Doh hole of the market, it just becomes this totally warped thing Mm -hmm. that is that 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 is um, I don't know, makes me sad to think about.
8: Well, it makes me sad to think about it, too, because it means like when you think about the implications on millennials who will be caring for their parents in the future, Mm -hmm. you know, like how much money do you have squirreled away to make sure that your parents are, you know, their home, like was it the article cites that only only about three and a half percent of homes in America are equipped to actually house seniors, Mm -hmm. um, people with like any sort of physical disability. Um, How equipped are you to, Spend the money to help renovate your parents' house, to put in, mm. you know, a ramp system if they need one, um, or to relocate them, mm-hmm. or to relocate yourself.
3: Mm-hmm. Yeah. So,
8: like, that's you know, they already they gave up on millennials because we're tapped out with student loan debt and with our own enormous costs of living, um, and then you couple that with all of our parents are about to retire at the exact same time. And will probably experience very similar health problems and health declines mm-hmm. at around the same time. Yeah, that's another cost, you know, put on put on folks our age.
0: Yeah, yeah. Well, it'll be interesting to see how this develops and and how different activist demands around this issue get carried out. Um, because I think you know. It, like clearly, the developers are talking about how to you know address this issue. Yeah. Um, well, something we not should so, care about exactly deeply because it's yeah. going
8: to be our responsibility okay. very soon. Well, <laughs> I think
2: some of these people are expecting that Medicaid and, and Medicare are actually going to take these costs right. for them. You know, so I was thinking about you know ten thousand dollars pricing tier in Evanston mm-hmm. that that has to be under a consideration of Part B pricing or
0: something yeah. like that. Well, and, and you know, this is why uh, like t- Tim Faust, who yeah. uh, speaks often about Medicare for all, he talks about how m- when we win yeah. Medicare for all, because we will, um, you know, it, it become it, it implies all kinds of other things, right? Because all of a sudden, the yeah. ho- the like, you know, uh, housing becomes a health care issue, right. <laughs> right? And like, people will start to like, really look at like things like this, and, and, right. and as, as kind of part of the expanded universe of what it takes to kind of sustain a body. Right. Um, mm-hmm. And I think that that's, that's absolutely correct
2: yeah yeah i even have a a kind of a rather morbid real world cost that just came up this week so this is a cost that angela you didn't even mention what happens if your parents die Mm -hmm. funeral costs um i happen to know this because i was planning this for my parents seven thousand dollars you'd have to come up with for the basic bare bones just cremation no memorial Mm -hmm. stone and it's it's interesting because um you know <clears throat> there are huge unexpected costs that you get with with aging parents, and mm-hmm. you know I think you're absolutely right, Angelie Would you be able to come up with seven thousand dollars tomorrow if one of your your parents died because mm-hmm. you're going to get that bill i you know yeah. i don't know you know what I mean, and so I think that's something that really is there are all these costs that that people don't even think about um and so much time and paperwork and a navigation of a system that you're probably completely unfamiliar with, mm-hmm. you know. And these are things that are not being thought of. These aren't architecture questions, obviously, but you know, yeah. they're life they're life questions that yeah. are coming up in, from some of these discussions.
3: Yeah,
8: yeah. And when we look at things like what do we ask for when we want, you know, Medicaid, Medicare for all, mm-hmm. we want to be able to say like, like, why doesn't the city of Chicago have grant programs so that people can update their homes safely and easily and to code. You know, Mm -hmm. when they have an aging parent. Yeah. Um, like how can you how can we obtain money to do this? There should be some kind of granting program. And if that's something that's built into an actual like healthcare issue. Yeah. I mean, I'd feel a lot more optimistic about my parents getting old and me not being there. Yeah. I'd feel a lot more optimistic about um their ability to stay in the home that they want to be in. Yeah. Um, and I don't know, it's it's a very I don't know. It's a very disturbing thing to think about that, like we're all just kind of waiting for this big terrible thing, which is just something yeah. that's natural, like getting yeah. old. Well, and
0: it is. I got. It's just so interesting to think about because, like, architects. Don't tend to think about something like Medicare for all as a spatial issue, Mm -hmm. (laughs) but it is absolutely true that it is a deeply, deeply spatial issue and and could have just as much of an impact on the built environment as something like a Green New Deal. Well, maybe not just as much, but significant. Yeah, Yeah. for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we have Not a sad. few minutes. Yeah. Well, no, but I, 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 don't know why it's why it's worth being said because I, 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 feel like this is an incredibly optimistic moment for winning some of those things, and it's like certainly on on the table uh, in a way that it hasn't been in a long, long time. Um, like, uh, yeah. You know, like 15 years ago, I, w- I would have been like, there's no light at the end of this tunnel. Uh, you know, but but now it feels yeah. like there I mean, very much is. I um, think
2: something. There's. It's pretty clear to everybody yeah. that something has to change with yeah. healthcare in the country country because I mean you just look at the numbers again this isn't an architecture point but we have like the thirty sixth worst record for infant mortalities <sighs> in developed societies. We spend wow. more money than anywhere else in the world and I think our healthcare outcomes are like ranked eighteenth worldwide. Yeah. Um, you know right here in Illinois, if you are on the exchange Obamacare program, there's no hospital that you are in network in. Yeah. Even though there's hospitals in That's Illinois really that i believe receive state money Mm -hmm. you know what i mean and we're your taxes are going to them but if you are an exchange plan participant you actually cannot get servants on insurance at those hospitals at all yeah so it's that to me you know shows that the job in in washington is is not even close to half done Mm -hmm. if a democratic blue state like illinois cannot make Obamacare and the ACA work with its major hospital networks. Something is, and I can't say the word I would use, but something's wrong. You know what I mean? Something's deeply wrong.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Well, um, on that note, we have a few more minutes, but um, I did want to give a heavy tease to. Uh, what we're going to be talking about next month on the mailbag, um, just so <sighs> folks. I mean, I'm like us- usually, my- usually, usually this is how it works. Usually, Anjali and I, a week before, are like, "Hey, what article do we want to talk about?" And then we tweet a couple back and forth, and then I post them on Twitter so you can, you know, read along, read in advance if you are a real Buildings on Air dedicated listener.
2: At Buildings on Air on Twitter. No. Yes, no, yes, it will.
0: It will soon change. I'm going to change it this week. Uh, okay. Uh, Okay, Jamie, okay. You're welcome. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> the listeners will thank Doing you. God's sure. yes, Doing God's work. Doing the Lord's work right here. Yeah, but, but this is a rare occasion where an article came out and uh, we knew. That uh, this is what we're going to talk about, and the coming. I had month. like a
8: meltdown about it this morning. I, I yeah. skimmed this when it first came out, and I didn't fully understand yes. it. And I finally got to read it this morning. And yeah. Then I tweeted Kiefer my meltdown. <laughs> <laughs> yes.
0: Yeah, so, so the article. Um, list, read it, read it, uh, read it yourselves. In between now and uh, our next show, which I believe is January fourth, um, it appeared in dizine Um, and the uh, the title is a quote that seems to be the trend these days. We have to do better than ugliness and incoherence we can be woke and good designers as well by uh one aaron Betzky. um oh god and that that title alone just makes me don't you know, want to say, say things don't say woke don't say woke <laughs> just don't do it hang on angelie just uh, you know but we're starting put it with the, the title <laughs> yeah right okay we can we can handle the title this week but yeah I, you know i i think um the, the part that I found particularly pernicious about this um, was that there's parts of this article like sentences that I actually really agree with um, and seem to have nothing to do with the actual substance of the critique so that'll be a fun game for the listeners is to, to guess which of those sentences I'm talking about um, um, but I, I yeah I'm, I'm, I'm curious if you have any questions that you want to pose to the listener reading, reading questions they can pretend that they're back in school.
8: Oh good uh-huh. so we've t- talked a lot on the show about um, like the tyranny of aesthetics um, and you know how the idea of quote unquote beauty has both been like a marker of oppression but also a thing that elevates people up you know toward their uh, higher purpose or something. Yes. Um, And so I guess the what this article sort of does is takes things that we would agree with as you know folks kind of like left leftier uh, architecture people, Mm -hmm. um, takes all these things you would agree with and then um, turns them around on you and stabs you in the heart. (laughs) Um, Tell
0: us how you really feel.
8: (laughs) Just sharpens your beliefs and stabs you with them. Yes. So um, I guess the the big question that I really have is um, what is ugly about revolution?
0: Yeah. Oh God, Anjali, are you, it's like you're a professional writer almost. Like that's just a very poetic <laughs> People pay me question. the big bucks for this. Yes. Yeah, they do. Uh, <laughs> Not for this. Yeah, right. No, no. <laughs> this say, is a yeah, la- I'm, I'm, this is a labor of love. Yeah, I'm so. getting. I'm really
2: getting screwed. Yes, uh, <laughs> you can.
0: Yes, you can send your criticisms to BLDGS on air, uh, <laughs> where we won't be able to read them where anymore. We can't read them out. Yeah.
4: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah.
8: So, um, I think that. Y'all should go out, read the article, and stop and think to yourself, what is ugly about revolution? Yes. And come back to us. Yeah. You know, when we when we in depth rip this to pieces in January, I'm really hoping, hey editors out there of architecture yeah. magazines, we have pretty much one month till our next show. So we're asking, please don't publish any more really bad takes between now and then. <laughs>
0: <Because> <laughs> We've gotta talk about we, this we one. We really need <laughs> to get
8: to this one. We don't have yeah. that much time.
0: Yeah, well, we, it's true. It's true. Um, we don't have many, much, much time No to we don't this show. Not at all Not at all It's um, almost done
2: You got like maybe a minute or two Yeah well. well
8: we are then we. I just want to say I'm really proud of us For uh, not talking about anything Patrick Schumacher has done In the last uh-huh. eight weeks Said, written I don't know, poisoned. I, he, I'm really proud of us, Keeper. Mm-hmm. Same. No airtime for Patrick mm-hmm. Schumacher yeah. on this show. <laughs> Except for right now. <laughs> uh. Don't do it. <laughs> yeah. it's from do from here on out, he will be
0: uh, he who sh- he he shall, not, he shall not be named. <laughs> <laughs> yes. All right. right. Well, well, one on up, Bombshell. Oh, this is our last show of the year. It is. Cool. Um, this and has been fun. It's been fun. And uh, yes, and thanks for. Uh, I'm so happy if we're doing. Uh, Thanksgiving appreciations. I'm so happy that, Anjali, you're a regular part of <laughs> Thanks our <for> having <laughs> me, you guys. weird world of feelings on air. This yes. has been fun. And uh, thank you, producer Jamie, as oh, well, you're for very uh, welcome. putting Jamie's up with us best. this year. Jamie's guys.
2: Yeah. Oh, you know, by the way, I mentioned, if you are interested in learning more about some of the stuff you're talking about with movement politics and organizing, uh, the New York Review of Books has just reissued Michael Walzer's Movement Politics, yeah, which it's... is an excellent guide to understanding. It was written during the Nixon administration and yeah. specifically about Chicago. Yeah. It's a really interesting look at how protest movements and revolutions occur.
0: Yes. Thank you for that recommendation, Jamie. Michael I'll look Walzer. Into
2: it. Michael Walzer. It's at your local library.
0: <laughs> we will uh, We'll see you next year. <laughs> <laughs>
2: yeah, see you then, guys. Thank you.
3: Bye. <laughs>
1: This has been Buildings on Air on Lumpen Radio. Buildings on Air is a production of Lumpen Radio. Hosted by Kiefer Dunn. Produced by Logan Bay. And Jamie Trecker. Visit us on the web at buildingsonair.live. If you want us to answer your questions about buildings on the air, send them via Twitter at... B-L-D-G-S on air or via email at buildingsonair at gmail.com This show is also available as a podcast on iTunes.